How much effort are you putting into the headlines of your marketing collateral, blogs, emails, and job advertisements? Are you just throwing together some boring words that summarize the content? Or are you doing research into it and experimenting with which words are more likely to draw people in? And is your copy actually encouraging potential and current clients to take action? What I'm talking about here is direct response marketing and copywriting. That is putting together compelling words that drive sales. Yes, that scary word again. Nikhil Ragani is an expert on this topic, and I'm so excited to share the following podcast interview with you. Even though I'm also a copywriter, just like Nikhil, I learned a lot from him and I'm sure you will too. Let's get started. Welcome to the Marketing and Me podcast. If you're eager to grow your health and wellness business via effective marketing methods while maintaining your own health and wellness, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Leanne Shelton. And I help business owners just like you overcome their fear of failure and find the courage within to step up, show up, and make an impact on the world, while also living a lucrative life and reaching their full potential. And I do this through strategic marketing advice and engaging conversational copywriting at Right Time Marketing. So feel free to book in a free 15-minute chat with me after listening to today's episode. The details are in the show notes. And today, I'm joined by my guest, Nikhil Urgani. Welcome, Nikhil. Thanks for having me, Leanne. Good. Thank you for coming along. So we we met via uh, BX Networking. And yes, I know, guys, I do talk about it a lot. Uh, it's just how I'm finding it's really cool people, okay? Uh, <laughs> and so, yes, and, you know, it's one of those things where he is a copywriter and I'm a copywriter. We end up in the same room together. But, you know, from a conversation, I think we we're just we we're putting a the one-on-one room mm. together, it's all virtually, um, and we realise that we do actually handle different aspects of the copywriting cycle. Uh, so I'm pretty much all about the, uh, you know, building up those leads with, you know, the entry entry point, so the blogs, the social media posts, and then a bit of the retention, you know, keeping the customers happy with regular emails, etc. cetera. Uh, but Nikhil's more about the conversion that, and um, which is a little bit, yeah, a bit later after they've been warmed up, and then really just get them across the line. So, yeah, I really wanted to, I'm really excited about this conversation to delve into that side of things. Something I, I want to learn more about. Um, I know the basic formula for a sales page, but that's the extent of it. Um, so I'd love to learn more. Uh, but yes, before we do dive in much, uh, before we go in much further, I will just read out your bio because then yeah. everyone has a bit more idea of who you are. Uh, so Nikhil helps training, coaching, and consulting organizations who sell high-ticket services to attract more leads and smash through their sales targets. He founded Shotted Copy, it's a cool name, a boutique consultancy in 2013. Since then, he's helped over 300 businesses smash their revenue records, deliver a greater profit, and make a greater social impact, despite any quiet periods, slumps, and economic challenges. And this is all thanks to his 15 years of proven experience in strategic copywriting, direct response marketing, and relationship-driven selling. And so uh, he's also a certified trainer in NLP and hypnotherapy. Uh, those are two areas I actually want to delve into. And yeah, in his spare time, he geeks out on video games, trains in Taekwondo, and delights in cooking epic meals. So that's a good, yeah, big picture of Nikhil. <laughs> That's me, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, there's epic meals. Tell me, what what is it something that really created that you'd be on MasterChef for? Or <laughs> no, I'm actually so my my meals are a little bit restricted because I've I've got a, an intolerance to gluten. Right? Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you see, so you totally get what it is. I bet one thing you don't have, however, is I'm I'm also vegan by choice, right? So I've um I've, I've got the best of both worlds or the worst of both worlds. Depends how you look at it. I'm vegan and gluten free, and so the common joke is, what are we going to feed feed Nikhil, right? Um, bowl of ice or air or one of those jokes. That's what it is. Yeah. Here's a bowl of air for you. Oh, here's a bowl of ice. I'm like, that's yeah. the best yeah. ice I've ever tasted, right? But um, I I love the creativity and the cooking. It's almost meditative and almost mindful for me. And I just literally kind of get into the zone where I'm, I'm cooking the most 
coolest meals. Like I made the other day, I made this amazing pumpkin curry, um, and it was spicy and sweet at the same time because I put in um, slivered almonds and raisins and then just this garam masala, and it just gave it this beautiful kick. And oh, I want that I, recipe. Right? <laughs> that sounds awesome, yeah. The butternut pumpkin and the skin was still on it too, so it had a bit of a, a crunchy feel to it um, and the soft tenderness of the pumpkin at the same time. So it was just a, an exotic blend. Uh, and then just that, just that beautiful flavor of sweet spice kick was was just amazing. So um, I, I just love cooking. I, it's, it's me. It's just a self expression, you know, in many ways. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I love that. I, yeah, I have because um, I found out about my tolerances about yeah seven eight years ago or something because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gluten and dairy and onion and garlic and a whole bunch of things, yeah. and so it did force me to get yeah more creative with my yeah. cooking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, at least I have the meat, I guess, like, and the, I have eggs and things, so yeah. that doesn't limit me too much. But, um, yes, okay, I have to pick your brain for some um, recipes after, oh, yeah, after sure. we finish. Um, last episode on just recipes, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, 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 we have to schedule that. Um, awesome. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more about your business journey. So you've got the 15 years experience, uh, but, yeah, career-wise and moving into your business. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, yeah, okay, sure. So, look, I am... Um, I graduated university with a Bachelor of Political Science and Philosophy um, and quite frankly, I, I walked out there excited, ready to take on the world, but no one wanted to pay me a bajillion dollars to be overlord of the universe after having studied political science and understanding how, how to rule nations, right? And no one really also wanted to pay me a bajillion dollars to drink red wine and come up with cool ideas as a philosopher. So I was like, well, what am I going to do? It's one of those degrees. Um, You're like, what do I do with this? It's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> what next? It was the coolest degree. I really got a lot of a lot of value from learning how to research and learning how to articulate and just the the understanding of how, I mean, philosophy and political science is the study of thought and also how societies and people interact, right? So I learned a lot about thinking and people um, without going deep into the psychology side and how to treat psychological disorders, right? So um, that sort of thing I really, really got a lot of value from. So I knew how to research, I knew how to write, I knew how to put together succinct and powerful arguments and also very academic ones as well. But unfortunately, it didn't give me a job. Um, what I did get, however, was my first career, uh, my first career move was as a freelance journalist for a heavy metal music magazine. bit so, different from philosophy, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a different, a fair bit different. But, you know, somebody like my writing style recommended me to this editor and the editor said, hey, mate, you've got a real talent for writing. You should do something about it. Would you like to write for my magazine? I was like, hey, that sounds cool. Um, and as cool as it sounds, I've got all these CDs to review and I've got you know, a bunch of, you know, musicians to interview and uh, got concert tickets and all that stuff. Um it was, um, you know, the company was based out of the US and they don't pay freelance journalists, you know, the great money. Uh, and so, you know, part of that was also me needing to uh, do a bit of work as well on the side. So I actually, uh, it ended up becoming that my freelance journalism job was my second job, not a side job. It was actually like a second job. And what I would do was I worked for a, a communications company uh, doing their customer support and technical customer service and things like that. So I really got the ability to learn how to talk to people and make people happy right uh which was pretty cool so i understood that um and that was fun that was fun uh, a little bit further down the track um i got an opportunity uh to actually study my honors in international relations so i started doing my honors in international relations and that was then going to be a stepping stone into my master's degree uh, and i was lining up internships um you know in with various community and political organizations like there was an internship with the united nations going uh, and that was something wow. I was lining myself up to. Uh, but as a, as a result of me doing all of this work, I got offered a job to work as a, uh, you know, for a government minister in the New South Wales state government, uh, which was cool. I said, wow, so my political science degree in philosophy did come to some use. And I, uh, you know, did a lot of work in that side in government. Well, after I got married, the long hours of working in government weren't really too good for my wife at the time. And, uh, we ended up uh, having, well, I kind of had to face down an ultimatum is do I want to be married or do I want a job or a career in politics? And, yes, you can have both, but at that time, you know, being nearly married probably wasn't practical. So I said, okay, well, I need to develop some new skills. What else could I do? And while I was still doing all the, you know, writing communication pieces for the minister and things like that, I ended up um, taking a job in technology recruitment where I learned how to do sales and marketing and, you know, really was my, my coalface moment in doing sales and marketing 
my first job was actually in recruitment was actually as a trainee uh, where I was basically writing all the advertising for uh, the recruiters, you know. So at, that, at the time, seek.com.au was the big site where people would go to, to look for jobs and I'd write all these ads and everyone's ads was so boring. I would, like, wanted to stab my eyes out with like chopsticks. <laughs> they were boring yeah. and so I'd spice them up and I'd look at their ads and make them spicy. I'd make them look more attractive and, I'd, you know, I'd bolden some of the words and it was really unwittingly was my first foray into copywriting and I didn't realise I was actually doing it, right? Uh, and so when the marketing manager approached me and said, hey, Nikhil, uh, we find out um, from Seek that our ads are getting the highest hit rate in Seek. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. He goes, but they're your ads. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. I said, oh, does that mean I'll get a promotion? He goes, uh, <laughs> good, no, good. Damn, good, good try, though. Uh, you know, he goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, well, you know, he's worth the shot, right? Like, I suppose. So a copy. Is that where it comes from? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you about that in a second. But okay. uh, he basically said to me, he goes, Nikhil, have you ever considered becoming a copywriter? And this look just crossed my face of absolute boredom. I was like, copywriter? That sounds boring. I want to be, if you want, you know, if you want to give me credibility for my writing, I want to be a, a journalist again or I want That's, to be a... I know, right? Journalist sounds better than copywriter. Copywriter. Or, or I want to be a novelist, you know? I mean, I'd already started writing a novel at the age of 12. I'm like, hey, I could do that. Copywriter, that sounds boring. Again, it's just like... Give me those chopsticks to poke my eyes out with again. You know, what's copywriting? He goes, you should consider it. Anyway, I didn't. I I literally blew it off. But about two years later, uh, where I was training the new trainees at the time, because I was now at that time, I was like a senior consultant within the uh, recruitment agency. uh, And I was actually working in government. uh, So technology recruitment into government. So they used my government skills and said, you can be really good at this. And uh, then I was training people in how to actually write ads that were effective and impactful. Funny, again, you know, just uh, these little things tend to add up and I hadn't realised at the time. But the marketing manager came up to me and says, Nikhil, I told you this a couple of years ago. You've got to feel, feel here. You should really consider copywriting as a career. I said, why? Isn't my recruitment good enough? Yeah, so you're trying to get rid of me or something. He's like, yeah, are you just trying to suddenly tell me, mate, you know, just see her? Yeah. <laughs> Is there something that I don't know? Am I about to be sacked or something? <laughs> and that's literally what my reaction was. But I said, hey, look, he said it to me, you know. Let's give it a go. Let's let's find out what this copywriting was about. And so I kind of Googled a bit and found out what copywriting was about and realized that all this time that's what I've been doing and how much I enjoyed it. So all of a sudden it's like, wow, it's not that boring. It's actually stuff I've been doing. Someone's just got to give it a better name. I know. You know, the first time I heard the word copywriting was when, yeah, I was looking for jobs after finishing yeah. uni. And yeah. it was literally uh, copywriting. I'm like, oh, what is this? And I went for the interview and it was like writing those 10-word blurbs in those like, Harvey Norman magazines or something yeah. like that's yeah. what it was. Like the dollar figure, and then it'd be like you know, uh, ten meter high white table. Like, I was yeah. like, like <laughs> how? What? There's no creativity. What the hell? That was right. my, what I thought copywriting was until I heard the term years later. I'm like, yeah. ah, no, it's much more broad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, no, is is a little bit crazy. And so I thought, hey, I've been doing this stuff, and just on that point. Somebody, maybe a copywriter out there, needs to give copywriting a new name um, because I think it's due for a bit of a brand overall because it's actually so exciting. It's a lot more interesting and exciting than what I initially thought, right? Um, but a couple of years later in 2007, I decided that I was going to start my own gig, right? And at that time, I wanted to become a life coach, believe it or not. Not a copywriter, a life coach. Once um, again, you're ignoring what's really inside you. <laughs> ignoring your calling. <laughs> Is there a copywriter inside me just bursting to get her out? And I decided to become a lot. Like, no, no. <laughs> well, that was an epic fail. Let's put it that way. I, yeah. I knew how to, you know, I had some great stuff. And about the best thing I could do was write the descriptions for my my services and products and my website and everything like that. And so everyone loved what I had, but, you know, I, I really wasn't a coach. And I soon very quickly found out after I did, um, you know, my training in NLP and hypnotherapy that I loved the NLP. I loved the hypnotherapy. I loved all of that stuff around it. What I didn't like was actually listening to people's problems and trying to solve them like a therapist. I, 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 it's not that I couldn't do it. It's just that I was like, I don't think I could do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. I know. I, I, I like the idea of it too, but I'm a bit of an empath, so I absorb like negative energy and I think mm. it would just be way too draining if I was to do it. It's it's. I don't mind doing it for friends and stuff and giving them advice, but, yeah, day in, day out, I think I would just, yeah, it would really yeah. destroy me. <laughs> 
the same. I'm, I'm very, I'm very intuitive and very empathic that way as well. So I, I kind of take on other people's emotions, and it's, it's not healthy that way. Um, but yeah, I just realised that that wasn't it. But someone actually remarked to me and said, "Hey, you kill that copywriting thing." Um, it's really funny. They said you're really good with your words. Have you considered becoming a copywriter? That's <laughs> not okay. Right, it's got a bumper sticker <laughs> made up. Have you becoming a copywriter? <laughs> At which point I turned and I said, "Okay, there's this there's this phrase. If someone tells you you're a horse, ignore it. When they tell you a second time, consider it. If they tell you you're a horse the third time, go out and get yourself a saddle. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I thought, okay, the horse thing's happening. I'm going to Google copywriting and figure out how I can learn this thing because obviously I'm, I love writing. I absolutely love writing, uh, but let me figure it out. Let me let me see what this copywriting thing is. And I came across a short course in in copywriting. And the the beauty of it was I was I hadn't even completed my course. Uh, I was about two weeks into it out of a, a ten week course, and I went straight to my at the time I was networking through BNI. And I went and said, hey, look, I want to do a category change. They said, yeah, we think you're more of a marketing consultant, not a coach. I want to become a copywriter. And the guy almost fell off his chair. I said, copywriter? How do you tie the two together between a life coach and a copywriter? I said, I'm so sorry. I know this is completely (laughs) freaking out. But I think I found my calling. I've life coached myself into becoming a copywriter. Um, And literally, I didn't realize just how much in demand it was. And within my first three months, I made my first $9,000 worth of sales without even trying. Uh, and that was literally while I'm still transitioning out my old cop, my old life coaching clients. And so I was kind of doing it part-time. Um, but I thought, hey, let's do this. And I thought, wow, this actually pays pretty decent, you know, not putting too much effort into it. People want it. And I'm doing stuff I love. And so 2007 was my was literally when I, I first started. In 2010, I ended up becoming a copywriter full-time freelance uh, and, you know, bought on some gigs. In 2013, I said I want to go a little bit and do do a little bit more with this. Let's establish as a proper business. And so I sat down at the time and thought, what is it I love doing? And this is this is this is where it came from, right? This is where the name Shorter Copy came from. What is it I love doing? Because people said, you know, pick your brand suit, you know, things that you like. And literally, the only thing that came to my mind was sitting around talking about solving the world's problems over cups of coffee. <laughs> yeah, I kid you not. That's what came out. And that's probably as a byproduct of my degree in political science and philosophy is that, you know, coming up with the good ideas and drinking cups of coffee. But I, I love my coffee as well. So, And that's kind of what I said, okay, maybe there's a bit of a play on words. And me being the word, you know, aficionado, copy, coffee, what could I do that comes up with the words copy and coffee? And uh, so I substituted the word copy and I was trying all these different words. And then all of a sudden, shot of copy came to me, and I said, "Is the domain taken? No, it's not. Registered it straight away. Done. <laughs> um, done deal. Um, yeah. And then that—that's pretty much how the agency started with shot of copy. And uh, at that time, it was—I called it an agency, but it was just me with a—it was just me uh, with a fancy name. Uh, and I was doing all types of copy, from direct response, indirect response, content, uh, web copy, everything under the sun. So I took on a lot. Um, and that that's kind of how I got into doing shot of copy. We were refining to doing direct response and business growth because I realized that as a copywriter, I could do everything and be known for nothing. Or I could be the guy that, you know, helps people to perk up and get attention paid towards them. Um, and that's where direct response came from. So I, I developed a particular love for sales and direct response uh, copywriting and just decided that, you know what, there's a bunch of copywriters out there that are doing what I'm doing right now what they need is someone to compliment them and do something different. So there's a bunch of people doing marketing copy. Let's do sales copy and help people convert. Uh, and so that's that's kind of what got me into it. And in 2013, when we launched Shot a Copy, uh, we focused on helping people in, in in the coaching and consulting industry and training just because I knew I'd come from there myself and, and I knew exactly what the difficulties were for coaches, consultants, and trainers. They, they didn't know how to articulate what it is they do, Yeah. Every coach I ask has this one same problem. When I say, so what is it you do? And they go through this massive spiel about like, trans- No, tell me a one sentence. <laughs> and it's yeah. usually like three paragraphs long. And usually it's all about transformation and mindset and tapping and, you know, energy and all this stuff. And they talk about everything except about what it is they actually do. They talk about modality and they talk about, but they don't talk about the value. Yeah. And I realised that was quite early on that I could help coaches to crystallise that and consultants who are 
working in that transformation industry to crystallize that. And so that's what I've been doing since then. That's really been my journey, my career from from day out of uni into uh, becoming, uh, you know. Yeah, you asked asked maybe five times, have you considered being a copywriter? And then finally, like, yeah, okay. Uh, And then you did it. Um, I love that. I love that. And, you know, um, and it's obviously all come from, you know, your roots because you have the the seek ads, that's the direct response. So it makes sense that that's where you kind of ended up because you showed you had natural talent for that. Um, Actually, just on that point, is there a rough formula that you'd recommend if anyone's putting together a seek ad today? for a new team member is there a yeah. rough formula or is it something quite complicated no so there's um there's heaps and heaps of formula out there right there's a bunch of them so i don't i kind of develop my own uh and i call it hocks h-o-c-s all right start with the headline okay create an offer create the call to action and then write the story so basically it's like a jigsaw puzzle you do the edges first but always start with the headline because as a as a direct response copywriter, I spend about ninety percent. Oh, I should say ninety percent of my time. I said I spend about eighty percent of my time researching, but I spend fifty percent of my writing time in actually brainstorming a headline because that's the one thing that you need to capture attention. If people, if you if you get people at hello at the headline, they're going to keep reading. So the same is true for job ads, right? When you're trying to get people to take an action and you want people to buy your stuff, and it's no different for job ads because you want them to click here and apply for your job. Start with a headline, make that headline really compelling. Yeah. Then go into the offer. What is it you're offering people? Now, that mean doesn't mean write the offer straight away, but create it. What is it that we're offering people? Okay. So in the case of a job, is it what is the offer? It's not the job, but what is the benefits of that job? What are we giving them? Is it a great team? Is it a fantastic salary? Is it uh, you know, work from home working conditions? Is it, you know, um, a company car is it you know what is it you know what what are we actually offering them it's the the softer stuff not just the hard salary not just the job but it's the other things you know they're getting opportunity to grow they're a strong education program they're committed to to social uh, well-being and as a result you know you're going to be spending you know four days a year in community service going out there and making sure that the community is taken care of well, like it's- an on-site gym or um, yeah. child care and all those kinds of things yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's the, it's, the, it's the perks of working. So that's all part of your offer. So craft that offer. Then the call to action, right? And this is where most people get it wrong. It's apply now is what most people write. Yeah, that's the simple one, all right? But the real call to action is if you're looking for something, let's like, say, for example, uh, if you're looking for this next step in your job, if you're ready to take XYZ opportunity, then click apply now and we will contact you for a private confidential chat, no obligations, right now all of a sudden the risk has been taken out of it so it's like oh i'm applying for this job and this person's going to try to start peppering me with all these other jobs that i don't want when this is the one i really do want and then what you do at the end is the yes it's the story build out the story and the story is what emotionally engages people yeah so that's the part in the job ad and people say well where's the story in the job ad cool tell us about the tell us about the company tell us about why the job has arisen what's the story behind that tell us about the person the ideal person you're looking for there's three stories right there Oh, I never see those in job ads. I've never seen that stuff. I see maybe a, a brief overview of the, the organization's background, but I've never really seen that. Like it, there are always the questions you might ask an interview if you dare. Uh, yeah. You know, what is this a new role? What's happened to the last person? Like no one wants to ask that in an interview. So, right. Right, yeah. Yeah. well, I, I'd, I'd honestly, I'd put it out there in the job ad because it's it's your job ad is meant to filter out the wrong people, but also attract the right people. So let's be upfront. Let's be straight up about it, and let's give the people what they're looking for. Yeah, and if you know this role has become available because the previous person has been promoted, yeah. then that says uh, like how much does that say? It's like oh, well, great, there's promotion opportunities, yeah. uh, so and growth. You know, um, so that just one line could yeah. mean a lot for that that applicant. Well, it shows that. Well, I mean, you say that you're promoting from within. They value their staff. They're high performers. You know, they they. You know, there's so much opportunity for growth, as we said. You know, there's chances to be trained apprentice, to even, you know, shadow someone senior to become the next person in charge, whatever it may be. It's, it. You know, that's what it is. You know, people say a picture paints a thousand words, but, you know, one word can paint a whole scenery. You know yes, yeah. yes, 100%. And so, okay, let's go about a little bit uh, back just to really define the term direct response marketing and copywriting. We're kind of getting the gist of it here. It's it's obviously to get people to take action. But what actually is it? (laughs) What is it? Okay. Um, It is rough, raw, and crudest form. It's sales. Okay. We're making a sale here. 
Um, and this is this is what it really comes down to. You can put the best copy out there, but if it doesn't compel that person to take the next step in direct response, it's ineffective. Now, other sides of copy, like whether it's indirect response, engagement copy, they have a different purpose. Direct response, it literally is we, we're talking to you directly and we want to get a response, right? And our response is take this action, yeah? So that's really what it is. It's just like a sales, buy now, right? Hey, you know, click here and book for a free call or whatever it may be, but you want them to engage and take a response. And it's not always the ultimate end response, which is buy my stuff. It might be click here to learn more. And then when they're learning more, it's about, hey, fantastic, book your free consultation here. I hate calling them free consultations, by the way, because it's just, it's the worst way to frame a sales call, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Discovery call is what I've used. Yep. Oh, well, let, let, I can work on that one with you because I think things like strategy sessions, discovery calls, um, you know, free consults, people know that it's a sales call. And when you're then approaching people for your discovery call or for your strategy session, your walls are off because you think you're going to be sold to. Mm, yeah. However, if we changed it, for example, I was just working with a lovely lady this morning uh, and she deals with people who are um, who are victims of trauma. So she coaches them through their trauma into excellence, right? Um, so she, I mean, her program, oh, I can't say the name of the program because of NDAs, but uh, basically what it is is she takes them from a point where they're victims to actually being victorious, right? And that's not the name of the program. That's just off the cuff. It's what it is. Um, we named her Discovery Session. We renamed it um, a free chat to create your pathway to peace. Nice. Right. Non-threatening, value-driven, appeals to the market. And if at the end of that call they decide that they want to then work together, there's an opportunity to do so. But when you hear that, that's not threatening. That's not uh, – it's a, a strategy session, which people know is, you know, it's it's a sales call. They don't People don't come up with – come with their walls put up. They come open because they're going to see value in that. And that's really what it comes down to. Direct response marketing is sales, but it's also about present presenting value. Yeah, I've just had a little, yeah, like for me, for example, I could say a 15-minute chat to take you from confusion to clarity or something like that. And that's just like, oh, okay, I I want that. And that just kind of give that, just go that little step rather than discovery call, cool. What does that actually mean, sales call? Uh, (laughs) Meanwhile, mine mine aren't usually sales calls. I probably need to be more more sales calls than they have been. (laughs) But usually a chat, getting to know you, here, I'll give you some advice for half an hour and then, yeah, cool. Come on, bore me, maybe. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's basically to get action. May not be to make a sale. Could be, or even to download the free lead magnet, which then gets them on your yeah. email database, which can eventually lead to the sale. Um, but there's yes, yeah, so there's multiple forms. Uh, I guess the old school is the brochures and the flyers. Mm-hmm. These days, it's more about the landing pages and I guess the email sequences mm-hmm. and everything like that. So, like in your experience, I guess just in, in, in current times. What's what's most most effective, or as a combination, or depending on the industry, or things like that? Yeah, yeah, okay. So I know a lot of your a lot of your your listeners are actually in the health and wellness industry, right? Uh, and what I found that is really really effective for people in health, wellness, and coaching and that type of uh, work. Um, online works a treat. Online works a treat, uh, but it's also very flooded, right? There's so many people out there trying to pitch you online. So my biggest takeaway right now, and the biggest thing I tell clients right now, is go against what the trends are. Go against the market, okay? Because if everyone is advertising on social media, that doesn't mean don't advertise on social media. Just don't say the same thing they are, yeah? Uh, But to kind of even, you know, simplify further, if people are all advertising on Facebook, why don't you do a direct mail campaign, yeah? Yeah? Um, You know, a great campaign... Uh, I did for a naturopath uh, was basically um, sending a, a small sample of vitamin C tablets uh, to to his corporate prospects. So he wanted to do natural health in the corporate industry. And so he thought he would target LinkedIn and he did heaps and heaps of stuff on LinkedIn, which is fantastic. Uh, and he created a lot of authority and credibility, but he didn't get a single sale from that. So what we did was we picked his, you know, we picked 100 of his clients that he or prospective clients that he'd love to work with. We got uh, a letter. We got sample vitamin tablets, all right, uh, and we packaged that in the letter. The title of the letter is, Are You Looking for the Magic Pill? Ah, I like that. Yep. So his response rate, his response rate out of 100 people he sent it to, he got 94 people respond to him, 
All right, which is wow. really wow. That's amazing. It is. Really if, if, if you send 100 emails, the open rates are like 20% if you've done yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, yeah, that's right. Like open rate, look, a very good open rate is considered 10%, right? Mm. Uh, if you're doing 20%, you're doing fantastic. If you're doing 30, you're a unicorn. And if you're yeah. <laughs> man, I'm not worthy, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, when people try to sell everything online, the truth of the matter is, is that um, your conversion rate is 1% to 4%. Right. So if you're trying to sell directly online, don't try and sell directly online. What I've said to people is get people onto a phone call because your conversion rate onto a phone call is much higher. Yeah. So that's what I say to you. If everyone's saying, hey, book in and sign up for my coaching program online, I would say sign up for a free whatever you want to call it or your, your strategy call or your, your sales call and take them through so much immense value that at the end of it, it's like, Oh my God, shut up and take my money. I yeah. want to work with you. That's how it should be. So that that's what I've I thought is work is, is don't pitch products, pitch value. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, don't pitch your coaching services um, online, especially online. Just 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 get them to give you their details. Just get them to agree to a phone call with you. A non-threatening, value-driven phone call where they they've got the choice. Here's the thing with old school direct marketing. It was sell, 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 right? With new school direct marketing, yes, it's still sell, but it's framed as choice, right? Let's give people the opportunity to choose, choose, choose. Yeah, and that's that's what it comes down to. So, ninety-four people opened this guy's or responded to this guy's letter. Um, out of those ninety-four people, ninety-three became customers. <gasps> no way! That's amazing. So, what? So the next step was the phone call, and yeah. then it was like, I really loved what you did, and yeah. then, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's really what it was. So he basically said, and he, his whole follow-up was, look, you know, I sent you I sent you the magic pill a few days ago, and everyone was like, oh, yeah, I know exactly who you are. Um, this is exactly the type of things I wanted. Because he wanted to run wellness programs for, for, for corporates. So that ended up quite well for him. There you go. So that's yeah. worth the investment because, well, yeah, you're right. Because, look, I straight away I normally say, look, on, don't do the flies, don't do letterbox drops. I mean, that's completely different, right? Yeah, letterbox different. drop is just random or is this would have been targeted, probably personalised names mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very, that's different. So it is, it, it is refreshing to hear that the old school techniques can still work if done yeah. Yeah, done properly. And I think it comes down to knowing your customer, right? And this is where I said before that I spent about 80% of my time researching uh, to know the customer and and where direct response goes. And this is where it really differs from other forms of marketing. Direct response, many, many people call it the dark art. (laughs) Yeah. And yes, because it's convincing and it's compelling. But I, I, the reason, the way I, I perceive it as being the dark art is because it goes into those deepest, darkest fears that people have. It also goes into the deepest, darkest desires. And what it does, it talks to you at that level, at that human level, the ones that you're usually too ashamed to admit to everyone else, yeah, or the stuff that you think, I can't say that, people are going to think I'm stupid, right? But we talk to people at that level where we understand what's really driving you at that nitty-gritty level, what, what you're really scared of and what you really want in your life. And if you really want this, you know, then we can make it happen for you. And that's where direct response differs from any other form of marketing. Yeah, and I know like the sales landing pages, for example, say it is for a program or course, the ones that have really like uh, made an impact on me have been the ones, yes, yes, it's long form copy, there's a lot of words, but you skim read it and it's like you need this because you are sick of feeling like this and it really it really goes into the core. Yeah, like you said, those emotions that you probably won't even admit to your very best friend um, yeah. because you feel embarrassed to say it. And it's like, wow, this person really gets what's what's going on with me. And this is where you obviously you understand your niche, your target market, and you know where their, their pain points are and really speak to them. Yeah. And they say, I get you. I can help you. Here's the next step. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's so, so powerful because we don't, I said to this recently to someone, I feel like we don't have enough DNMs. <laughs> then I don't know if it's the social media world or whatever it is, but it is often surface level, which I think a lot of the show reels you see on mm-hmm. social media. Because mm-hmm. even when I do catch up with friends socially, it, and it usually takes a couple of drinks or something before you start yeah. to go into those deep conversations. Correct. And yeah. so if you get direct response or some sort of, yeah, an, an email or a landing page or something that really speaks to that, you're like, oh, yes, someone who I can kind of express my, exactly. my pain points with. Exactly, yeah. And that, that's that's the main difference. So 
you know, for, for people in the industry, especially in the health industry, look at what's really going on for your customer, right? And look at then the best way to reach them, okay? So, yes, you could do social media. Yes, you could do landing pages and all of that. Or you could just send out a humble letter, you know? Um, I wouldn't – I don't recommend fire drops. You need volume for that. That you need, like, volume and volume because the, the, the conversion of flies is, like, 4% to inquiry. It's pretty low. Um, but I would recommend really understanding your customer, look at who fits that type of profile, and then targeting them. Be very precise. Be very clinical about it. Yeah. Um, and that's the same if you do decide to do Facebook ads. Speak to one person. Mm. Right? Speak to one person and everyone else will resonate with that message. Yes, 100%. Because I know I mean, so many business owners fall into the trap of going, oh, I can help anyone who, yeah. who breathes, um, yeah. or whatever it is. But then it's like I, what I say to them is that, well, then your message is going to be very diluted because you're trying to cater to everyone. Yeah, but if you're like, I want to speak to mums who kids have just out of school, they're, yeah. you know, rediscovering their identity because they're not a stay-at-home mum anymore or whatever mm-hmm. it may be, and you can really get into that headspace, you can really perfect your message and yeah. then those people, the right people, go, oh, my gosh, you are talking to me. It's like you're outside my yeah. window. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just talking to me. You get me so well. Um, and that's and people do freak Look, Even when I decide to niche in health and wellness, it just scare mm-hmm. me a bit going, I, I, am I narrowing myself down? But yeah. then I had someone yesterday reach out to me who's been following me on LinkedIn and saying, I see your health and wellness copywriter. We want you. And basically they booked in. <laughs> um the meeting before I even had the chance to say, so who are you? What do you do? And so I'm like, this is ultimately what you want, right? Yeah, yeah. But if I just kept to myself as a journalist copywriter to be safe uh, yeah. without any niche, um, then I wouldn't have had that. It's true. It's exactly true. And it's just, and I'll give you another example of that. I mean, so many people tell me, you know, you've got your gluten intolerance. Have you, have you seen someone about it? It wasn't until I know. Look, I could have seen seen anyone about it, but I was at the point where it's like, you know what? I'm just going to accept this as what it is. It wasn't until one of my uh, other writers mentioned to me. She goes, "You should have a chat with this lady. She is a um, she's a gut specialist naturopath for vegan athletes." I mean, how how niche? Amazing, can yeah. How niche, <laughs> yeah. And I just walked around and said, "One, two, three. Okay, I'm in." Are you the athlete though? Um, well, I do. I do do a lot of running. Um, there you go. That's fine. That'll do it. So while I'm not a professional athlete, I, 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 in my mind, in my heart, I qualify. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to stand by that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're pretty damn close. Sorry, we'll give it to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. So vegan, good issues, athlete. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. And yeah, like, I mean, otherwise, you know, it's like go see an naturopath. I've seen about ten. Go see, uh, you know, go go see a herbalist. Yeah, I've seen about fifty of them too. But okay, go see a vegan uh, gut specialist who works with athletes. I'm like, oh. Now you're talking my language, and that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Yes. Oh, as, a, as a health and wellness practitioner, especially because there's a lot of people out there who are really, really, really wanting help, especially in the health and wellness space. And covertly, there's also, or conversely, there's also a bunch of health and wellness specialists out there that want to go and do good for people. But here's the problem you've got clients, you've got the health and wellness specialist, right? But there's this massive gap. Yeah. And if you don't, if you're unable to articulate that value to those people, then how will you help them? Yeah, yeah. And I've met people like that as well through networking events and, like, I'm still yeah. quite – and they, you say, what do you, who, what do you do? And they rattle off all these qualifications and titles and you're like, yeah. I have no idea what any of that means. Right. But then you break it break down, no, what do you actually do for them? And, like, oh, well, those who just feel so, their body just isn't where it's meant to be, like, Great. Okay. Now I get what you're on about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you can kind of work from there. So um, it's, it's often about getting the, the clarity of going, what is the core of what you actually do? And I've kind of worked yeah. out with me. It's like I, I help because often with showing up online, it's a, a courage issue, which is why I said in my intro, mm-hmm. find yeah. that courage within a step up and show up. Don't be afraid to be your authentic self, throw that yeah. buzzword in there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of health and wellness are, people often are like that. Like, I just want to yeah. do good. I don't want to be a showman. Like, I just want to help people, yeah. but you need yeah. to connect with them. Um, so I did want to ask you, so mm-hmm. look, direct response ultimately is selling, right, as you said. And, look, Australians, we ultimately hate being sold to totally. uh, in general. So how – yeah, well, I don't. I like – well, unless, right, the message is targeted and then you're like Correct. right yeah. time, right message, yeah, you yeah. got me. 
But like, how do you overcome that with direct response marketing? Like, I guess it's just being wary of the words you use mm, um, so mm. people don't feel it's a hard push. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? So one of the, it's, I think that's a fantastic question. It's so situational because here in Australia, you're right, we don't like being sold to. Um, and quite frankly, I don't like writing sleazy, slimy copy. I'll be really upfront because it's not real. It's not genuine. It's not heartfelt, right? So my, my thoughts on that, uh, and it's the, the philosophy that I take on this, is that, look, what you want to do is you want to talk to people uh, as though they're, you know, they're on the same level as you. Not Don't talk down to people. Don't talk up to people. But talk to them like they're on the same level as you and make recommendations, make suggestions. Don't push, right, give them the opportunity to choose. And so with direct response copywriter, and this is where I do differ from a lot of other direct response copywriters, is that I, I see myself as someone who facilitates choice, not pushes a result, right? And so my style of selling is a very consultative, very um, very value-driven point of uh, style, and I take that to the copy. It's very conversational. Uh, it's very very much about them. It's about building the relationship, and it's, it's one of the things you, you mentioned to me when you were introducing me to my buyer that I, I focus on relationship-based selling. Long copy, any type of copy, it's about firstly capturing that person's attention, building that relationship and trust, and giving them the opportunity to buy it. I always, in my copy, always give people a way out. I always tell people, hey, look, if you're not ready for this, if this is not what you're looking for, if you think this is what it's about, let me tell you right, right up front, I'm not the person to help you with that. Okay. However, if you just want to explore this and you want to see what other opportunities are available, if you want to do X, Y, Z, hey, you can do that too. But here's who I am. This is what I can do. Let's be honest. If I can help you, then you're welcome to book in a call with me, not a strategy call, not a discovery call. <laughs> What do you call yours? Uh, I, I call mine a free sales and marketing roadmap uh, blueprint. Uh, ah. Sorry, free sales and marketing audit and blueprint. Yeah, cool. Not blueprint, roadmap. Sorry. Roadmap, I, yeah, one of, I should one know of those buzz terms. Own... <laughs> <laughs> it's written down somewhere. Yeah, I've, I've got it. And so when people go to things like my, my LinkedIn page, they see it on there. They say, okay, if you like a free sales and marketing audit uh, and uh, a roadmap, then you know, click here to book into my calendar, and it really is. I, I do. I don't go in there with the the idea to sell people. I go there with the idea to to see firstly if they're a fit, uh, and then to see if I can add value. And then if they want to work with me, then I'll, I will I will hold back nothing, and I'll try and make it work for them. You know? Yeah. So I, I don't look at sales as something pushy, slimy, sleazy. I look at it as an act of service, and I take that to the copy. Yeah. Is that I'm not here to to push and shove something down your throat. Because if you don't need something, what, why am I trying to sell that to you? But if you do need something, then I have an obligation, I have a duty, I have a responsibility to jump through every hoop and hurdle to make sure that it's available for you. And that, that's how I approach the copywriting. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a pushy salesperson. I don't believe that works. Um, I believe that's what lead, leads to things like lawsuits and, you know, buyer's remorse and things like that and, you know, people jumping between coaches and consultants all the time. It's because they're being given the hard sell. Now, I think what you want to do is you want to present people with a clear and compelling opportunity. And if they've, if it's right for them, then click here. Yeah. It's really yeah. what it is, yeah. No, yeah, no, I've had that kind of thing before, being one of those free one free one dayers you know event obviously i know i'm, I'm going to be sold to it at the end but yeah, yeah. um you know being told things like you can't leave this room until you made a decision are you going ahead oh I'm not sure. no i'm like i'll just go to the bathroom no no, no. you're staying you're not leaving this room until you I'm like whoa um, i've had that before sure. so, <laughs> yeah so next time i was like and it's not for me. I'm going to leave before it finishes so I don't get any kind of pressure. Um, look, uh, yeah, so I, yeah, I'm also not about the pushy stuff. My first job out of uni, for those, who, you know, some who've listened back to uh, my early episodes, but it was telesales. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I'm in sales. And I'm like, oh, no. I, and I, but I actually did okay because yeah. I'm all right on the phone. I'm conversational. I just have a chat. And I did do better when I moved into account management. So it's more yeah. like, uh, problem solving. Kay, it was for um, uh, True Like also online business directory. All right, so you've had these problems in the past. Yeah. Let's improve it and I can now work to fix it. And so I was giving that value and then yeah. I've always met my sales targets. Um, but I, with the, the when I was doing cold calling, which is where I started which the first six months, I'm like, if they're like, yeah, I'm not interested, I'm going, okay, and I would never push it. It'd only yeah. be if they ask those kind of questions going, 
oh, so tell me more about that. Then I'm like, all right, I can now continue this conversation. Yeah, of course. And I'm, I'm the same, you know, I, it did take me a little while to think, oh, hang on, in my business, I am ultimately doing sales. I, I kind of thought, I'm like, oh, what the sales thing behind me, but no. And so, yeah, I look, I, I do admit I, I want to get, I ref, do a bit of a refresher with my sales because I think yeah. I have lost a little bit of it and I do get very mm-hmm. caught up in having the conversations rather than the conversions. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I do think that when people do come on board with me, they're usually happy. Yeah. Then in sense of remorse, it's like I'll pick up the phone and go, let's talk this through. This is where I can help you. Are you still okay with this? And then usually it's all fine. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. Um, so I want to ask you, what are your tips for any listeners who are thinking, all right, this direct form thing sounds all right. How can they implement it? Any general tips? Any general tips? Okay, look, yeah, look, I've mentioned my very, very first one, which is, look, really know your ideal customer, okay? Really know who it is you want to work with. And I, everyone talks about niche. Everyone talks about, you know, advertising and stuff like that. I want to take it to the next level. And I'm you probably guessing all about next levels here. Uh, but I really do. I, I say you need to know your ideal customer almost like you know your husband or your wife or your best friend or your favourite character out of a TV show, right? So I'm a big fan of Game of Thrones, uh, and I know it's off the air at the moment, but it still has to be one of my all-time favourite rating shows. Um, and I was a big fan of Jon Snow. As you can tell, I'm kind of going for the Jon Snow look, right, with my my, <laughs> my, my long hair. Yeah. <laughs> Is it working? I don't know. But here's the thing, right? When I watched Game of Thrones and Jon Snow was confronting, you know, white walkers and zombies, I knew how he was going to react, right? When he was, uh, you know, with Daenerys Targaryen uh, and she was, you know, um, you know, and she was doing weird things. I knew how he was going to react. He's going to squeamish because he's got such a high standard of morals and ethics. And he's all about doing the right thing. Yeah. I could almost anticipate every reaction he would have on any piece of news. And when his girlfriend, Igret, got shot by an arrow and died, I knew he would be, you know, he'd be brooding and morose and, you know, he would, uh, you know, he'd be heartbroken. I knew that. Right. Same like with my partner. Like I know, I know with her, when she's having a bad day, I know exactly what type of food to bring to her. Or when my daughter's, uh, uh, you know, when my daughter's come back from school and she's like, you know, you know, confused about something, I know exactly the type of tone to take with her. How many of us could say that about our clients? Yeah. So my suggestion is get intimate. Get really, really intimate with your ideal clients. Now, appropriately, of course. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We weren't talking about taking them out on dates or stuff like that, but uh, I am talking about really getting to know them to such a point that you know them almost better than they know themselves. And once you know them to that point where you can almost enter the conversation they're going to have in their heads or you can complete their sentences, then you know how to actually write direct response for them because you know exactly what they're looking for. You know exactly how they're going to respond. You know exactly what's going to say, yes, I want that, and no, I definitely don't want that. When you get to that level of understanding and intimacy with your ideal clients, then you've got the right to sell them. If you don't know them, you have no right to sell them. And that's a strong ethical basis I stand on, which is why I spend 80% of my time in research, researching my ideal, you know, my clients, customers, I research the industry, I research the competitors, I research everything I possibly can to make sure that I can know enough about what the customer's got to know to make a buying decision, yeah? So that's my first thing. Get really intimate, really, really clear on what it is that drives the ideal customer of yours. And guys ask, where do you do that research? My favourite point is to just pick up the phone and talk to the clients. Yeah, just talk to them. Do you know how many people would be happy just to spend 20 minutes a day just to tell you what their problems are? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I learned that from my NLP days when I didn't want to become a, a life Yeah, coach. yeah. Stop telling you about their problems. Yeah. So how are you feeling right now? How's life treating you? Oh, here it comes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and you will find after you spoke, I guarantee if you speak to 10 people, just 10 people, you know, that fit your your target demographic. And by de- demographic, it could be age range, it could be, uh, you know, gender, it could be whether they're married or not, it could be what type of income they earn. When you put all those things together and you speak to 10 people who fit all those criteria, you're going to start seeing patterns and trends. And those patterns and trends are what you're looking for. You speak to 30, you're going to feel like they're your best buddies. And by the time you speak to 50, you're going to feel like you know them inside out. But start with at least 10. Yeah. I'll be so, like, well, you're reading my mind. You know exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And so yep. that you start with um, so you start with your clients, like current client base or something, uh, to, to reach out to them and phone calls, obviously get commissions to call them. Yeah, and- yeah. 
I, w- I would say start with your current client base. Start with the ones that fit your ideal client uh, picture. You know what I mean? So if I think, if I, if I said to you, Leanne, close your eyes, think of your ideal client and what do you come up with? And you say, well, she's a woman, she's 35 to 45, she's uh, married with uh, with two kids and she's, uh, you know, she's, a, she's a, a stay-at-home mom slash, you know, freelance graphic designer, right? Or in your case, it would probably be, they're, they're a well, health and wellness coach, right? Um, you've got a very clear picture of them. So now all you do is you go back to your, your client database and say, okay, who fits that profile? Let's talk to these people and say, hey, look, you know, it's it's Leanne uh, from Right Time Marketing. I just want to have a quick chat with you about uh, XYZ. Uh, and, it's, you know, it shouldn't take more than 20 minutes. And literally that's all it should take. Ask them about, you know, what makes them angry? Who makes them angry? What are the three biggest challenges? You know, what, what are the deepest fears? What do they truly desire? You know, what's the one thought that's constantly at the top of their mind that even keeps them awake at night, you know, that, you know, they can't stop thinking about. And if you just ask those few questions, guarantee you're going to start understanding that person to a whole different level. And when you've got that level of understanding with an ideal client profile, then you're going to be able to connect with them. Then you can be able to talk to them in their language. You're not going to Japan and talking to people in Italian. You're actually talking to them in the language they understand. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that so much. It's so good. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to put that into play. Um, <laughs> for myself. I'm like, okay, well, I know a lot of people who'd be in my deal type of market, but I've never actually asked them those really, I've just assumed sometimes, you know, or mm-hmm. through things that same conversation, but yeah. sometimes it's like, what's, what keeps you up at night? But what, what really, what, what does that come down to? What's beneath yeah. that? But, but why, but why, but why, you know, going real ground level. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And so um, I really love this conversation, by the way. I could keep going. Uh, but I will wrap it up. Uh, but I always ask my guests this. So how do you take care of your health and wellness, Nikhil? Yeah, no, good question. Good question. How do I take care? Um, I'd love to give you some elaborate self-care routine. Um, and I used to do these crazy self-care routines where I'd wake up in the morning, I'd meditate for 20 minutes, and I'd journal for half an hour. And by that time, it was lunchtime, and I had no work done. Um, but what I, you know, here's what i do there's i look at my life as three distinct areas there's me there's my relationships and there's what i do as a calling in my business right and so to take care of myself i want to make sure that i'm fulfilled in all three areas so when i wake up in the morning i have um about half a liter of warm water with lemon juice and salt in it um i read something motivational and it's actually one piece one one particular thing it's um from homer's iliad it's called the invocation to the muse uh, so it basically is a call to to creative people um, to be inspired by the muse, you know, the, the the goddess of the arts, right? And so I read that out, you know. Firstly, as a bit of a, a tribute to those who come before me, you know, from you know all the all the writers past, um, I could say past and present. That almost sounds a like dedication to country, <laughs> but you know, all those writers who came before me upon, you know, who taught me everything I know. Uh, as well as you know, to to be a part of that tradition as as a writer, and so that kind of grounds me in that, and it's almost like a a spiritual you know call to the muse, whoever she or he may be, right? Um, and then I go straight into doing uh, my most urgent piece of work, and after I've done that most urgent piece of work for a minimum of fifteen minutes, then I go out for my morning walk. All right, then and it's 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 a walk because a walk is grounding. Uh, I'm engaged in all my senses, uh, and that's basically what I do. Then what I do is uh, I, I'll say, um, you know, I'll spend time with my partner. I'll spend time with my daughter. We'll cook breakfast all together. We do all of that. And then we get into talking with my clients after that. So once I've done those things, uh, that's what I do to kind of take care of myself. In addition to that, I'll also go running three times a week and I do Taekwondo four times a week. Uh, and I still journal. I still write. I, I still write for myself. That's really, really important, I think. Uh, and I, I, I journal, so I have my iPad Pro, and in order to save paper, um, that's why I use the iPad Pro because I'm really, really environmentally cautious. Um, but that's that's one of the things I do. So I'll write, uh, and once a week I'll sit down, and I've started now after 30 years, gone back into continuing the novel I started when I was in high school. Oh, which one's that? It's a novel I started. It was an epic high fantasy novel. After I'd read um, these books by David Eddings, who was a, a very prolific author in the in the fantasy high epic fantasy genre uh, akin to like lord of the ring style style writing i got so inspired i started writing a book a novel and i was about 12 at the time right and um i started writing and i finished the first chapter it's about six thousand words <laughs> everyone loved it Six thousand freaking words i know right and 
for 30 years I've been touched again. And then as I was doing a bit of a cleanup, I came across it again in a, one of those, you know, three and a quarter, three and a half inch floppy disks. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Like, I was like, how old is I? And my daughter's looking at it and goes, what is this, Dad? Oh, yeah. <laughs> in my day. <laughs> Back in my day, <laughs> we used to put that in the computer. She goes, how do you put that in a USB slot? No, it doesn't work like that. But so anyway, what I did was I found that and I found a printed version. So what I did was quick smart, scanned it uh, and, and and turned it into editable text, left the original as it was and then continued it. Cool. And now you can see my change in writing from a 12-year-old kid, you know, who was in this awkward teenager phase to, you know, to a matured adult who's now taking things from a completely different perspective. Um, and I've now, I'm now up to about 15,000 words. Um, and you know, I'm still not even, I'm still not even into the heart of the story, but for me, that's just that's therapeutic because as much as cooking is a self expression for me, writing is who I am. Yeah, so, I love that. That's what I do for self care. Yeah, oh, I love that plan. Oh, so yeah. good. I, I'm trying to, I'm pretty good at my balance. I, I go through phases where I do, you know, a good 15 minute meditation and read something inspirational, and then I do that. You know, good few days, and I pull out the habit somehow, and then I come back, and then I. <laughs> yeah. um, but yes, it sounds like you've really got a lot of control, and I do like the fact as well how you do that that most important job, and then go for a walk. Like I sometimes go for a walk first, and then yeah. and then do it. But yeah, if you like get that done, and then you like reward yourself with fresh air and yeah. get yourself for the rest of the day. It doesn't necessarily have to be work. You know, that most important thing doesn't necessarily have to be work. Like I'm planning a surprise party for my dad tomorrow. He's turning 75, right? Oh, nice. So part of it was, you know, this morning I had to wake up and I had to basically message my cousins in the United States and things like that so we could line up their parents, my dad's sisters, to get onto this Zoom call. So we're planning this surprise Zoom call for him, which he doesn't nice. know about. Nice. Um, so that was, you know, making sure there's a decent hour. That's what I did. First thing, I woke up and, you know, messaged everyone and said, hey, have you got everything ready from your side? Is everything good? Uh, and that, for me, was the most important thing for the day. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Good point. That it's not always work. work. It's other things as well. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, yes, and how can people connect with you? Connecting with me is pretty straightforward. You can... Uh, you can go to my, my website, which is shotofcopy.com, but I don't encourage people to go to my website. In fact, most people don't. Um, in, in the, you know, the 13 odd years, the 14 years, years that I had the shot of copy website up, I think only two people have asked for it. So, um, I do encourage people to connect with me on social media, which seems to be a great way to do it. Uh, you can look me up on, on Facebook. That's perfectly fine. You can look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, most of my photos on Instagram are nothing to do with work, but they're all photos of things like my my walks in the rain or my run in the rain or photos of curious flowers I've found or things like that. They're all landscapes because I'm a bit of an amateur Instagram photographer. Um, Isn't everyone? <laughs> and is it just under your name on all those platforms? Yeah. So yeah. My handle is at Nikhil Rikiani. Okay. Uh, just full word, no underscores or anything like that. I'm also on Clubhouse, which I've started getting on, which I'm happy. Oh, yes. I think that pla- that platform is going to go places. It really brings the social into social media, right? Mm. Um, See, I'm an Android user, so I'm, I'm not allowed to, like, I don't have access at the moment. I believe it's only uh, for Apple users at the moment. Oh, well, yeah, get an, get a, get an Apple. Definitely no. do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going back there. I've an Apple for years. But, yeah, come on, come on. Um, so no, well, I'm just kind of watching from the sidelines. <laughs> you, you get through all the bugs and stuff, and I'll, I'll come on board when it's, you know, it's all it, streamlined. Yeah. Yeah, so. Nikhil on, on Clubhouse, um, or you can email me. Email's great. You can catch me on email, nikhil at shotofcopy.com. Uh, that's really cool too. Cool. Thank you so much. I'll make sure that's all in the show notes as well so people yeah, can find that. But, uh, yes, I loved our chat. And, like, I, I've learned stuff and, I, like I said, I'm a copywriter but you do a different type of copywriting. Maybe yeah, I, yeah. I should. Um, look, I, I have thought about doing NLP training actually and um, potentially middle of this year I was looking mm-hmm. into doing it. So because I do feel obviously copyright, there is so much psychology behind it and uh, I would love to really delve into that further. So, um, yes, and I do I do plan to work with you more actually this year. I'm like, all right, I want to yes, be part of my little remote team. Um, but, yes, thank you so much for our chat. I really enjoyed it. Hey, thanks for having me. Those are brilliant questions you asked and it really did, uh, it really did uh, facilitate some great ideas and thoughts. Uh, thanks for having me. Really, yeah, great. you're Enjoy welcome. That. Thank you, and thank you to you, dear listener, for tuning in. You can find notes for the episode at marketingandme.com.au. And if you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and leave me a rating and a review via your podcast app or at ratethispodcast.com/slash marketingandme. 
If you're interested in connecting with me, feel free to reach out via LinkedIn. Just search for Leanne Shelton and let me know you listen to the podcast. And if you want to learn more about generating leads or outsourcing your copywriting to me, head to my website, righttimemarketing.com.au or book in a free 15-minute chat. Uh, What is it? A chat to get you from confusion to clarity. Uh, (laughs) Until next time, I wish you good health and good wealth.